Hi, welcome to the Mountain Basketball Podcast. It's time to talk about some Colorado basketball. I know it's been a while since I put out a podcast, but I thought this would be a good time to put one out because conference play is starting. It just started for the women's team and is getting ready to start tomorrow, January 3rd, for the men's team. So I thought I'd get one out to talk a bit about what's happened in the non-conference. Starting with the men's team, and then I'll move on to the women's team. Um, really going to do that because it's going to start with kind of a bad news good news podcast i'm going to start with the bad news and it's not really the colorado basketball team itself that's bad news they're actually nine and three the bad news is that they're tied for first in the pac-12 and the reason why is because the pac-12 basketball and the men's side has just been a disaster this year they are they're they're quite realistically looking at having one bid this year and for a power five conference where you're really trying to get six, seven, eight teams into the tournament. They're looking at potentially just one automatic bid, and that's a realistic chance this year, especially if Arizona State wins the tournament. They they could have one bid because right now there isn't a there isn't a single team other than Arizona State that has been building a at large bid resume, and Arizona State's barely been doing that. It's um. Looking at the the Ken Palm rankings, and when I say Ken Palm, I mean Ken Pomeroy. It's is puts out a predictive website where he ranks the teams, and and it's really used as a major indicator for who's playing well and who's playing poorly in college basketball. So it's KenPalm.com, and right now Colorado is ranked seventy sixth, and that's behind Belmont and in front of Liberty. And those are decent teams, but you know, to be sitting in first place, nine and three in the Pac twelve conference, it really just shows how bad the teams Colorado's played in the non conference. They they just got back from Hawaii. That was over Christmas. And they really going into that tournament, the Tad Boyle was breaking the season into three, one just being the non conference which he really didn't play any good teams in the non-conference, and that's not his fault totally. I know he, he came out publicly and said he struggled to schedule a major team this year. You know, he the last two years they played a home and away at Xavier, which is obviously a good team, and he just wasn't able to get any other major conference schools to come to Boulder this year. I hope that changes next year. But what that means is they went to Hawaii – eight and one but it was a questionable eight and one we really weren't sure how good they were and the second phase of the conference he was saying is this hawaii tournament where they had a chance to win a championship there and the team everyone wanted to play was tcu which is a very good basketball team and was we're expecting to play them that they were going to make the championship game which they did unfortunately colorado did not in all three games they played they they just got off to early big deficits. They they lost the first game to Indiana State. They got close um, a couple times, but just never could get on top of that on top of that game and drop that first game, which is really disappointing. The bounce back game was against Hawaii. I mean, I guess you could say this was an away game, even though it was a tournament, because Hawaii was playing on their home court. Again, they just did not look good in that game. They took Hawaii to overtime and then just got blown out in overtime. So then they're 0-2 in the tournament playing for 7th place in this tournament, which is already a major disappointment. But then they go out to play Charlotte, 
And again, we're down double digits early. They rallied um, to win that game, and not in no small part because the Charlotte coach had a epic meltdown right at the end of the first half. They called a technical foul on him, um, which I would say, even as a biased fan, that was undeserved. But then he just lost his mind, and they called another technical, and and they threw him out of the game. So. That was they just gave Colorado a bunch of points right at the end of the first half. Lost the Charlotte lost their coach, so Colorado did go on to win that game, and was seventh in that that um that Maui Invitational tournament in Hawaii, and that's that's pretty disappointing, um, but not the end of the world. Phase three is obviously the conference tournament, and typically teams in Power Five conferences they're looking to build a non-conference resume that puts them in contention for an at-large bid, and then going into conference play, you need to get some good wins. The problem that Colorado is facing this year is there really aren't any good teams in the Pac-12. There's, there's not one team ranked in the top 25. And in Ken Palm, Oregon's ranked 39th. Cal, Power 5 Conference, California, Berkeley, is ranked 207th in Ken Palm. And so these games just aren't going to mean anything. I mean... You have, if the the season ended right now, you could argue that not one Pac-12 team should make the tournament, and so the problem with that is you're you're going into the conference play, and there there's really aren't that many chances to get good wins because most of these teams have just severely struggled, and I'm going to talk about UCLA UCLA in a second because that's a whole nother level of struggle, but. They've really struggled in the non-conference, so then they're going into conference play where they're obviously there's going to be one team winning, one team losing, and unless somebody kind of goes undefeated in the conference, it it just you you could be looking at whoever wins the tournament is going to make the Pac-12 tournament is going to make the tournament, the NCAA tournament, and everybody else is going to get left out. So the Pac-12, I mean, there's always. I call it, most people call it the East Coast bias, whereas teams on the East Coast they get much more media, they get much more coverage, they get you know higher respect because they're in the East Coast, and the no small part that's because a lot of these Pac-12 games are played at midnight on the East Coast, so people just don't see them, and so I kind of try to make an argument about who the good Pac-12 teams are, and you know to my friends and family, and this year I just can't point to one team in the Pac-12 that's really a standout. Um, <clears throat> Potentially Arizona State has looked good at times, but have dropped some bad, bad losses. And so it's going to be really ugly conference play. And Matt Norlander, he was on my podcast earlier, or last year, 2018, and he came out and said he was actually going to write an article about this, just the disaster of the Pac-12 men's basketball. So I'll look to that, Um, probably cringe when I read it. But so right now, um, Colorado has three losses and nine and three, which is the best record. They're tied with ASU for the best record. And league play starts this week. It starts January 3rd, where they make the Arizona trip. As most people know, the Pac-12 is structured, even number of teams. So and so in the geography set up that when a team goes on the road, they play two road games where they play UCLA. They also play USC. They play Washington. They also play Washington State. I mean, you get the picture. But in this one, they're playing Arizona and Arizona State, 
which is not a great way to start the conference play. First of all, it's on the road, and then it's two historically better teams in the conference in Arizona and Arizona State. Arizona's down this year um, because no, no small part. They lost a bunch of players with the FBI investigation, and which is another point I'll put out. I mean, it's very easy to make the argument that the Pac-12 was the most involved in this FBI recruiting scandal that went on last year, and they still stink. You think if they were buying players, which clearly they were, they would um, USC, um, Arizona, you know, heavily tied up in this, that they'd be better, but they're just not. So, you know, I'm going to root for Arizona, root for Colorado when they hit this Arizona trip, but it's uh, my hopes are not too high right now. Um, and then let's move on to UCLA. Um, so most conferences have a flagship team or two. Obviously, the SEC is Kentucky. ACC has several. Um, UCLA and Arizona, historically, the kind of the premier programs in the Pac-12. Arizona, I already talked about. They're down this year just from a lack of talent. But then on top of that, UCLA. So this is a team. It, it was coached up till yesterday by Steve Alford. He was not a popular hire to start when he was hired. And, and I tend to agree with the critics there. And they have no problems recruiting. So they have top a top 50 player at every position. They're super talented. And they have just stunk this year. And they went out and lost to Liberty last over the weekend and immediately fired Steve Alford as their coach. So now that this is a super talented team without a coach and almost a 500 record when really they should be undefeated. So that's, that's been horribly disappointing, but so not sure how to really end it up here with the PAC 12. It's going to be a bit cliche to say interesting, but I just hope, uh, I hope, obviously I hope Colorado steps out and has a, a a lot of wins in the PAC 12 and can make an argument to, to get selected into the tournament and it's not unprecedented. Just a few years ago, the Pac-12 had had only two teams in the in the tournament, one of which was Colorado. But this is, I mean, Pac-12 is really becoming the laughing stock of the country for people who follow college basketball. And before I get too upset and and shut this podcast off, I'm going to move on to the good news part of this podcast, which is the women's basketball team and the women's Pac-12 in general. So. <clears throat> Um, the Pac-12 women on the women's side is actually very strong. They have five ranked teams in the top 25 compared to none on the men's side. Oregon's ranked fifth. Stanford is sixth. Um, Oregon State is 11th. Cal's 18th. And Arizona State is 22nd. So the advantage there is at first blush you say, okay, that's going to be really hard for CU because they're taking a 10-2 and record into the conference, um, and they could get beaten up pretty badly, which is true, but also most nights they have an opportunity to get a good quality win. And so I've talked with some of the coaching staff there, and that's that's the way they choose to look at it, and I agree with them. Um, I did, over the weekend, um, Colorado had its first game against Utah. That was in Boulder. I went to that game. Colorado looked really good. Kennedy Leonard broke the all-time Colorado assist record which is a nice accomplishment. But the problem is Utah just 
it was lights out from three. So like every time a Colorado would work for a basket, get an offensive rebound, put it back up, score, they would just take a quick three and drill it. And it just, so that game got a little bit out of control in the second half, but Utah's a good team. They're still undefeated. And so Colorado is, um, they're heading, their next game is January 4th. That's in Boulder and they're playing Arizona State. Again, you already heard me talk about Arizona State. They're nationally ranked. They're 11 and one. And so, or they're, excuse me, they're playing Arizona and who Arizona just beat Arizona State. So they're a good team. And, and so I hope they get, they're able to at least go one for one out of this Arizona home series. Um, so Colorado now is 10 and two, but they really need to get to 20 plus wins to try to make the tournament. And I, I think they can do that, but it's going to be a challenge in this conference. Um, other news I'll just point out. So Cameron Swartz from Georgia, he was a, she's a highly recruited freshman guard for CU. She had, was having heart issues and, Fortunately, the CU medical staff was able to identify that. But just so anybody who's worked out and checked their heart rate, really a high heart rate is close to 200. Her heart rate went over 270 in the middle of one of her workouts. They shut it down. They got her treatment, and it was a fixable problem. But she went back to Georgia over break and then notified the coaching staff that she was not going to come back to Boulder. She was going to transfer um, I don't think there's any bad blood there. I think with just a medical scare, and th- these are my words, not hers. They're, her father put on Twitter that, you know, with heavy hearts that they decided that she would, um, she, he was going to transfer from CU. But I, I don't think there's any any bad blood. I think it's just with a medical scare, you, you just want to be closer to home. Uh, and so I don't blame her for that. It's disappointing as a CU basketball fan, but... You know, everyone that I've talked to just really hopes she finds success and happiness the next place she joins. But it is that is disappointing for CU because she she was shaping up to be a good guard because you know CU has has two very good senior guards and having a sophomore come back next year to sort of fill that hole would have been really helpful. So that's too bad. And so this is the Mountain Basketball Podcast. I know it's a little more negative than most of mine but um hopefully the next podcast in a in a week or two is going to be going to be talking about some wins